You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, and we're happy today to be joined by one of our spotlight players, Mr. Tucker Barnhart, catcher for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Tucker, first question, have you ever seen a Blue Wahoo? I, I have not. I, uh, <laughs> I've just seen it on our hats and our logos and stuff, so I don't know exactly what they look like. <laughs> we're, we're really happy to have you back with us, Tucker. It's been too long, and that's my bad, so l- let's try to do better in the future. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back, and I always have a good time. All right. Um, let's talk about – we haven't had you on since, like, early last year before the season, so let's talk about last year a little bit. You spent the first half of the year playing for Ken Griffey Sr. out in Bakersfield. Uh, tell us about Griffey compared to with some of the other managers you played with and how he's different and what he stresses and his expectations, that kind of thing. Well, Griff was a great guy to play for. He uh, He's one of those guys where you can – sit down and talk to him for minutes on hours upon hours and just listen to him and pick his brain, all the all the stuff that he's been through and everything and situations that he's played in. I mean there's not one thing that he hasn't been uh, been a part of and it's it's all it's good to know uh, that he's always got he's gonna always have an answer for you as far as if you have a question about a, about a scenario or a situation that you're really not sure about. Um, you can always go to him and, and ask him, and it's something that he's, I mean, he's been through. He, had, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't like been through. They're, they're in a situation that he hasn't been through. Is he any different in, in what he stresses, or, or in, in terms of um, developing than, than than other managers you played for, or his expectations any different, anything like that? No, I I, I didn't think so. I thought he, I mean, he's just a guy that. It wants to win, and uh, I think every everybody that I've played with or played for is the same way. I mean, they want to go out and they want you to develop, but they also want you to win too. Uh, I mean, it's a lot easier and a lot more fun to develop and uh, and work on your game when you're winning. So, uh, so it's it's the same. I thought it was a lot of the same things. Um, nothing out of the ordinary as far as what he stressed or or preached when he uh, when he talked about development or anything. He just wanted you to play hard, and I think everybody's that way. Did you get any big red machine stories from from Griffey? Oh yeah, we got a lot of a lot of different ones. I mean, a lot of different. Uh, the, the story that I enjoyed the most when he would, would talk about him and Junior, him, him and Junior talking to uh, him talking about playing with Junior was was the cool part for me. You talk about about winning, and in the minor leagues, as as a fan, you know, if you're going to pay to go, go to a ball game. You want to see your team win, whoever you're there rooting for, but it is kind of a conflict sometimes between developing players and, and, and winning as a team. Is that something, I mean, you said the managers stress it, and I think the Reds organization is stressing that more than they did a few years ago, but do you see it as a conflict, or do you see if, if you develop, the team will win? You know, I think I think it's a, it's a thing. I think, in my opinion, I think you have to do it. I mean, if you're gonna, if you want to develop, I don't think you want to develop guys and say, oh, well, you know, it's okay if we, I mean, if we, we give a game a here or there, but we're developing. I think, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go about it. And uh, I think the Reds do a good job of, of really wanting to put you in a position to win. And I think you, and like I said, I think you have to do it because 
I mean, you have to you have to develop winners. I mean, you're not gonna, in my opinion, you're not gonna win in the big leagues if you don't win in the minor leagues. Just because I think winning is a is an attitude, and not not necessarily something that you can develop. And if you have a group of guys that come through the minor league system and they win at every level, then I mean, eventually they're gonna help us big league club win in, in the big leagues. So I think that, um, like I said, the Reds do a great job of, of preaching. I mean. Development, yeah, but they also preach winning. I mean, I think it's a lot easier. It's a lot more fun, and I think you develop you develop better if you win. Um, there's something to be said about a team that wins. And, I mean, obviously, than a team that loses, I think that you could develop a lot better when you win. And like you said, it's a heck of a lot more fun to, to play on the winning side than it does to get beat every other night. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot more. It's a lot easier to to. Uh, to realize, I mean, what you're doing. I mean, it's a grind anyway, going through playing 142 games a year and just sometimes kind of scuffling and thinking, when am I going to get called up or, or what happens or why am I struggling the way I'm struggling? But if the team's win, then it kind of takes that off, uh, that off your mind and you're not necessarily thinking about that all the time. But if you're struggling and, and, and you're losing games and everything, then that, that kind of comes to the forefront. Let's talk a little bit about that league. We haven't talked to many guys that played out there. Tell us a little bit about the league, what the good parks and the bad parks. The attendance doesn't look like it's real high in that league. Um, no, it, it's, I mean, it, the league itself, it isn't a bad league. Um, it's fun to hit in, actually. I mean, there's the ball travels pretty well, but I wouldn't say that it's something that's just some of the things that I've heard about it, that it's just unbelievable to hit in. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to hit in. I mean, the wind blows out in some places, but still, I mean, you're still hitting a round ball with a round bat. So I wouldn't say that it's the easiest, that it's, that it's by far the easiest league I've ever hit in in my life because that's not the case. But, I mean, the travel is good. We didn't, we weren't blessed with the, the best uh, setup in Bakersfield as far as the park. The parks are kind of older and stuff. And um, But the travel was good. We never... We never left after the night of after a game. Uh, we always uh, to go to a place. I should say after like if we were on a getaway day on the road, we would leave and come back. But our far our farthest trip was uh, was only four hours, and it was to to uh, San Jose, which is uh, in my opinion the nicest place in that league. But it was it wasn't bad. Um, the uh, the park, like I said, it wasn't the, it wasn't the greatest, but. Bakersfield was a nice place in the city, actually, but uh, the travel was good. You go to some nice places. You see California. I've never, other than last year in Bakersfield, I've never been in California for an extended amount of time. So it was kind of cool to see some places that you had never seen before, and and it was pretty, it was pretty good for the most part. Um, and and uh, you may not even be aware of this, or, or may not know the answer to this. Is I, I thought I read not long ago that Bakersfield just fin- just got financing for a new ballpark too, I believe. I did see that. I think it'll be it'll be great for it'll be great for that city because they uh, um, they'll be able to build it. I think I read that they're going to build it over by um, Cal State Bakersfield, which is a really which is the nicer part of the area or part of the uh, Bakersfield. It's over by the college, and there's a lot of things over there to do. Night, a lot of nicer area and everything. So I think the attendance will, will creep up. I don't know. Um, exactly how how it'll be, but it, uh, it from what I've heard, it's going to be nice. Is it is it strange going from like playing in Dayton where you where you had nine thousand eight nine thousand every night you know no matter what happened 
to to playing in front of a lot of empty seats? Is is it tough as a player? Um, it gets there sometimes because uh, <clears throat> you like to you feed off the you feed off the adrenaline of fans and everything. And playing in front of people, it kind of it just uh, it helps you get going a little bit, I guess. And uh, in Bakersfield, I mean, the lack of people, the lack of people that were there, I mean, it kind of kind of got to you a little bit, especially like I said, when you're scuffling. I mean, it's kind of um, it's kind of tough to to get to be excited to come to the park. But I mean, in Dayton, you always had that thing. Well, I'm going to play in front of eight or nine thousand people tonight, so it's I mean, it's going to help me keep going a little bit. But in Bakersfield, it was you, you went to the park and you were you had to really force yourself and. To, to get going and get pumped up for the game. When you got called up, <clears throat> you're, you were you were hitting really well. Your your OPS was 780. You were hitting 278. You were getting on almost at a 400 clip. You were 371, and you were catching like almost 40 percent of the base runners trying to steal at with you. I assume you were pretty happy with these numbers. Yeah, I was. I uh, I felt like I I felt like I made some strides um, as a player last year. I uh, I struggled really. I really struggled for the first time. In my pro career, I struggled pretty bad uh, early in the year and in April and beginning of May. But I felt like I turned it around and 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 was fortunate enough to get to get promoted in the middle of the season. And I felt I felt like I went through a lot of things that that are going to make me a, a better player in the long run. As far as learning how to deal with learning how to deal with struggling and, and how to get through that, and knowing just knowing in myself that I'm good enough and that I am going to get through it. And it's just sometimes it takes a little bit longer than, than you would like. But it, uh, I was happy with the numbers when I got called up. I really didn't pay attention to them that much. Um, but, but, again, I was happy with them, and, and I felt like uh, yeah, I, I performed very well. You talked about struggling early and, 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 and your season turning around. And, <clears throat> excuse me, was there something that – that you discovered, you know, did you find a hit that they, you know, do you guys find a hitch in your swing or something like that? Or was it just grinding through it? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's just grinding through it. I really wasn't doing anything differently than I had in the past. I had some bad luck here and there. It would seem like that I would, um, my first at bat or two in the game, I would, maybe I would line out somewhere or fly out to the wall or something. Just like if I, if I would just catch on the, little bit more on the barrel or the wind was blowing out of the instead of in a little bit more and somebody or somebody's playing playing a little different in a little different spot in the infield where that bowler went through that ball that dropped in or whatever but it just it seemed like there were times where I couldn't buy a hit but um no it didn't really do anything differently I just just kind of getting in just getting into my own head at times and just telling myself that I'm going to get through it and, and just believing in myself was the biggest, was the biggest thing for me. Cause I mean, I would see, I would see myself go for one or over two. And instead of telling myself I got two or three, possibly three more at bats in the game to get out of it, I was like, Oh man, I got to go up and hit again. So it just, it was, it was just getting through that, that mindset and really being um, excited to go to the plate again and knowing that I was just one swing away from getting out of a slump was was tough for me to get in my head at the beginning, but I finally did, and it paid off. It's funny you talk about trying to you know having to concentrate in every at bat. <clears throat> Pardon me. There was a really great article, and I don't know if you saw it on. I think it was on um, ESPN's website this week about Joey Votto and how he you know how he tries to 
ramp it up almost every at bat. If he gets two hits and he wants to make sure, he, you know, and he wants to get that third, and he said that's advice he got from Pete Rose, is never be satisfied. Always go, go real hard after the next at bat. You might want to take a look at that article. It, it, it was really, really, really good. I think we linked to it off on the website, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know he, he wrote an article, but I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Um, in early July, you got, <clears throat> excuse me again, promoted to Pensacola where you were playing for Jim Riggleman down there last year. Tell us about Jim. He's a, he's a very good baseball mind. I, I really enjoy playing for Jim. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's a, a different type of manager than I played for in the past as far as he was quiet and really, really businesslike. And uh, I enjoyed that. It was it was a good change. Just to just to, and then, I mean, when you could play uh, for a former big league manager, I mean, you you pick his brain and and you see the differences in the things that he likes to do as as opposed to other guys. Because I mean, everybody's different the way they go about managing the game. And it was fun. Um, I mean, it was fun to learn learn from him because you I mean you, you never know. Who you're going to play for? What type of manager you're going to play for in the future? And, and it was good to it was good to be around a different different mind. Do you think he had a different mindset because that's the way he is, or do you think that part of that might have been from being a big league manager and then he's managing in the minor leagues and he, you know in the big leagues you probably don't have to be as hands on I guess is the right maybe the word, or do you just yeah, think I that think, was his personality? I think that had to do with it. I think it was his personality also. I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I think with being in the big leagues and stuff, the way he went about the team and everything, managing and situations and moves we made during the game, I thought that was very, very big league-like, I guess. Um, in our bullpen, we would have a right-handed pitcher come in to face, uh, say, one one right-handed hitter at the time. And then if there were two left-handed hitters up next, he would have the left-handed pitcher ready to go in the bullpen. And that was just something like I had never been around before. It was neat to see because, I mean, there's... Growing up, you see that in, in the uh, in the on TV and everything when you're watching games, and I feel like that that's the way you have to do it at, at this level. If you don't want to take a year to prepare guys to be ready for their situation and their uh, their role in the big leagues, and if there's going to be a guy that's a left handed left handed specialist that's going to come in to specifically get left handed hitters out, I feel like you need to do that and prepare them for that role in, in the minor leagues because I mean. That's ultimately what they're going to do if and when they do make it to the big leagues. And I think he did a great job of that as far as um, getting guys and putting guys in the right situations. You struggled when you got to Pensacola last year in the second half, and we won't go into the numbers. Uh, they weren't real good. Any ideas on, on, on why you struggled once you got down to, into double A? I think, you know, um, going into the season, one of my goals was to get to double A. And I wouldn't say it was a sense of complacency when I did get there um, because I don't think that was the right word. But uh, I did kind of breathe a little bit, kind of um, take not a step back, but kind of just relax a little bit instead of pushing forward. And, and in, I mean, from a quote from a good movie, and that's my presence of authority. But uh, <laughs> kind of relax and, and not, I wouldn't say stop working, but just kind of, realized that I've gotten to my goal and, yeah. and didn't necessarily set another goal when I did get there. So um, I, I think that, um, I, I, again, I had some bad luck. I started off slow, and I left that, that sense of doubt creeping in my mind again, and it kind of it hurt me a little bit. But 
I think again, though, all the, the entire season last year, I think is going to make me such a better player just because I know how to get through my struggles when they do happen. And 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 my guess is you learn something from from achieving one goal and resetting another. You know, even if it's in midseason. Exactly. Exactly. There was that. That definitely will never will never happen again. Where I where I do accomplish a goal and I just kind of let off the gas. I guess that's a better way to look at it. But uh, that's one thing I did learn is that as soon as you accomplish one goal, you got to reset another one and, and jump on the gas pedal and, and get there. So. Okay, I want to go back to Pensacola in a minute, but I'm, I'm kind of going chronologically for your, for the year and, and season ended. And, and uh, I assume you did Reds Fest this year also again? Yeah, I did the Reds Fest and, uh, and, and the Caravan. And the Caravan. So tell us a little, t- tell us a couple stories about Reds Fest and who, who were you on the bus with in the Caravan and, and, and how that went. Yeah, Red Fest was good. It was just it was you know you know Red Fest. Uh, we did the whole Wolf of Wall Home Run Derby, which I finished I think second or third in. Who won it? Partner, um, Steve Selsky. Oh, Steve, yeah. Steve Selsky and his and his partner won it. Um, but it was it was fun. I mean, again, being around all, all the twenty five man roster and guys that guys that you see just only in free training. Is uh, it was fun. It was a, it was a great time uh, with the caravan. I was on the bus again with Marty and Brandon and Jamie Ramsey and all those guys. So it was it was a good time. We went to Dayton and got to see uh, the Wright Patterson and Air Force Museum. That was pretty cool. That's a phenomenal museum, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a nice nice place. That's the first time I've been there. Even when I played in Dayton, I didn't get a chance to go. But uh, that's a that's a kind of a little. Um, Hobby of mine, I guess you'd say, we're like World War Two and everything, and and uh, military planes and stuff is kind of a, a one of my things. So I really thoroughly enjoyed that. So and, and now you're in another aviation capital down there in Pensacola. Now, I know what I hear. I need to get out and see their museum too, because it's it's supposed to rival uh, right back. So I'm gonna try to get a we've uh, we've been uh, a little unfortunate with our off days because we've had to travel on uh, both a couple of the last one so far, so we're hoping to get an off day here. I think we have one in the middle of June where we're actually at home, so that'll be nice. So what what does Marty call his your that part of the caravan? Is that the rock, the rock star tour? The rocks. So you're part of the rock star tour. Yeah, the the not they, the self proclaimed rock star group. So how is it spending three or four days on a bus with Brandon Phillips? I would think that would wear you out. Oh, it's fun. Brandon's a Brandon's a, a great guy. He uh, he's is an absolute great stand up guy that um, will answer any question you got, sign any autograph for anybody, take a picture with just about anybody. He's a great guy, and it's it's it was really a pleasure to to be around all those guys. Is he on like that all the time? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a he pretty much is from. Sun up to sun down, just like just like he is on on the field. He has he has a great time and and he's he, he's just a lot of fun. He's got a lot of energy, no doubt about that. Yeah, that's for sure. So so what else did you do in the off season? Um, when, until it got cold, until it got cold, I played some played a lot of golf. I'm a, I'm a big time golfer. I got to go. I did go to my first uh, PGA Tour tournament this past off season in the fall with the BMW Championship in Indianapolis. 
which is uh, like the second to last uh, tournament of the year with all the with Tiger Woods and Rory and all those guys. So that was fun. Um, I did just honestly just hung out and just tried to recoup from the season because it was a it was a wild one and and just get ready because I knew I had a big one coming up. What's your handicap? What's my handicap? Um, to be honest with you, I don't know exactly what my handicap is, but I would say when I'm playing a good amount, I will shoot probably. I would shoot around, give or take a couple strokes from 80. Nothing wrong with that. Do you, do you play no, Do you play I, much during the season? Um, to be honest with you, I've played twice in Pensacola this season, so that's that's a, I would say a pretty good amount for a season so far. I know, yeah. I mean, we're only we're almost to June, so I can't really say that the season's young still. But um, it, I played it a couple times. I tr- I try to because it's a, and for me it's a get it's a getaway. I like to like to get out and just relax, especially in Pensacola. The course that the uh, the team hooks us up with is on the water and everything, so it's kind of a good way to get your mind away from away away from everything and check out the beach and and play some golf. But that takes us back to Pensacola. Tell us about playing in Pensacola. you got a brand-new ballpark. Tell us about the field and the clubhouse and the conditions and everything in Pensacola. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, the stadium, the scenery in the, the stadium is unbelievable. I mean, you're right on the bay. The entire outfield is is uh, backed up to water. So uh, you see boats and everything every day, which is really cool. Um, this, the park itself, the fans are wonderful. The uh, they're, They pretty much pack it out every night. Which is really nice. Was, um, which is really nice. The clubhouse and everything's great. It's really big. There's a lounge, TVs, ping pong tables, stuff like that. Um, the surface itself is, is second to none. I mean, it's it's darn near perfect. But, uh, it, it's just it's just a great place to play. I mean, uh, this league itself is pretty. It's just all around pretty good. So it's uh, we're pretty, we're really fortunate in Pensacola, and and I'm glad that they uh, they signed a. Um, a new contract with them last year, so the other guys that are coming up to the system are going to be able to play here. Let's talk about this. Excuse me. Let's talk about the Southern League for a minute. How, how's the travel in, in that league? And, and what have you seen of the good? What are the good best places to play? And some of the places where the, the stadiums aren't quite as nice. And, and and tell us a little bit about the league. Uh, the league itself is nice. Uh, there's only a few uh, longer bus rides. I think. So far, our long, or we've already made our longest trip, which was nine hours. So it's kind of lengthy, but um, it's definitely, definitely not bad when you're going back to Pensacola or when you're going to to uh, Kodak, Tennessee, which is nice, which is almost to Knoxville, which their place is really nice to play. Um, Chattanooga, where we're at right now, is is a nice place to play. Um, there aren't there aren't really, to be honest with you, that many bad parks in the league that I've been to at least. I haven't been to um, the new park in Birmingham, I guess, is supposed to be uh, a little bit better, actually. A couple of umpires that I talked to said it's better than Pensacola's as far as the stadium. I guess the view and stuff, obviously, is probably going to be as good just because it's not on the water, but I've heard their stadium's really nice. Um, I have not been to Montgomery, which Montgomery's supposed to be pretty nice, too. Uh, Mississippi, where the Braves play is very nice. Their stadium is very nice to set up the clubhouse and their hotel and everything is really nice. So it's just we're, we're really fortunate in this league. The travel isn't outrageous, um, so that's always good. Just sitting on a bus for ten to twelve to thirteen or fourteen hours is 
it's not good. And uh, but the parks are really nice. So there's not really a park on the on the schedule you're looking at where you're thinking, man, I got to go to it. Um, so everything is pretty good. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about the Reds moving that double-A team from, from Carolina down into Pensacola because when we talked to a couple of guys that were playing in Carolina, they were on the far eastern edge of the of the mid or of the Southern League, and when you had to make those trips to Montgomery and Mobile and over that way, it was a, it was a long haul. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard that they're – Shorter bus rides were six and seven and eight hours. So yeah. we're, we're like I said, really fortunate to where we are and, and the stadium that we play at and, and the and the city that we're in, just because it's, it's relatively close to a lot of places. So, and I know your your time is limited down there, but I mean Pensacola, you got the golf and the water, and, and it's a pretty pretty nice place in the summer. What else is there nice for a young guy to do while he's playing baseball in Pensacola? Well, I mean, the beach is always good. The uh, the food, I absolutely, I absolutely love like southern food as far as like fish and stuff like that and seafood and everything. But so it's, I mean, there isn't. I have yet to be to a bad restaurant that's in Pensacola. To be honest with you, yeah, I mean, there there's all kinds of different places. Um, I mean, there you you can do just about anything really. I mean, there's there's places to go and see live music, which is a big big thing of mine that I like to do. And uh, I mean, good places to eat, fish, if you like to the beach. I mean, just about anything. Talking about live music, tell us some of your favorites. Who do you listen to? Man, some, of my, some of my favorites. Um, well, my, my dad, my dad plays in a band with some old high school buddies. Like every every weekend, so they play seventies and eighties rock and stuff. So. I grew up around that. I play just. I play a little guitar every once in a while. My dad taught me and everything. So I listen to anything from Journey to to Sticks to all kinds of like Tom Petty to um, Ozzy Osbourne. Anything like that. I love. I love seventies and eighties rock. Really, it's it's one of my passions. I didn't think my opinion of you could get any higher, and then you tell me who you like in music, and now it just skyrocketed. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, it. so we're about two months into the season, and as of today, you're hitting 281, and and your on base percentage is 355, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, are you happy with your offensive numbers right now? I am. I very, I very much am. I've, uh, it's something that I really dedicated and devoted a lot of time to this winter, and trying to figure out things that are going to help me. Um, just keep growing as a hitter and as a player. And I think that a lot of the work that I did this winter is, is paying off. You're, you're caught stealing percentages down a little bit this year. Do you pay attention to that number? Um, to be honest with you, not really, because I feel like that it's going to just, every, it's going to even out. I mean, I've, I feel like that I want my best, my best attribute is being able to catch and throw. And I just feel like it's going to, like I said, even out where it started isn't, isn't going to be where it finished. And I, and I know from, you know, when we've talked in the past that your defense is, is, is your, your biggest uh, thing you're proud of, uh, you know, won the golden glove when you were dating for the whole minor league system. So, I mean, do you feel like you're progressing defensively? Absolutely. I think so. I think the biggest the biggest strides that I'm making, I think they're calling from they're calling a game. I think the biggest it's starting to get to the point for me with um and we had Manny Cora in a uh, on a rehab assignment our last home series and it really 
it really talking to him about how like different coaches that he's had calling the game and everything. And I want to be a guy that people respect and that they know that if they are in, in trouble and they're not necessarily sure what they want to do as far as a pitch, pitch selection in this situation, I want them to know that if they can execute the pitch that I've called, that I'm, I'm putting themselves or that pitcher in, this, in a situation to succeed and not just throwing down a random sign to think that we haven't thrown a slider here in a while, so let's let's throw a slider now. And that's not how I go about calling a game and everything. I think that's the biggest, for me as a player, that's where I'm making my biggest strides right now. You you were in the big league camp in spring training and, and there's there's a lot you know Ryan Hannigan gets a lot of publicity around here for being a pretty cerebral player and, and he's a he was a philosophy major in college and and you know he gets big kudos for the kind of game he calls and framing pitches and that kind of thing. Have you gotten any any informa- you know any help any tips from Ryan Hannigan? No, I'm just sitting there, just watching Andy go about his business. And I said it last year, I'm sure, when I when we did the same interview, but it, just being around those guys like Corky and Mez and, and, and Miguel Olivo in this camp and stuff, and um, just, again, it's just kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of the interview about with Griffey, just being around guys that have been in any kind of scenario and situation you can think of and and, and talking to them. Well, how did you get out of that? Like, how how... What's what did you do as far as damage control to get out of that? And that and that's a huge thing because I mean a lot of times when I mean it's easy it's easy to call a game when a pitcher's got his best stuff and it's those times where he doesn't have a bad it doesn't have his best stuff and you're in second and third with two outs in the eighth inning and you've got to get out of it and you you pitch around the guy or you go after a guy because you have somebody on deck that you don't think is going to hit her or what I mean what do you do and learn. And learning from Corky and Mez and and, and guys like that, I mean, that's information that that is just absolutely invaluable. I mean, there's no you can't put into value value to that number or to that information because I mean that's that's stuff you can't get from get from anybody but guys that have been through that situation. And it's really I'm really fortunate to be able to do that. <clears throat> I'm sure some of the folks listening aren't aware that you're a switch hitter, but and, but looking at your your splits, you have quite a bit more success hitting left-handed versus right-handed. Um, yeah, I'm... I, I, oh, sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I've, uh, I've always been... I mean, I was a natural left-handed hitter starting out, so um, I think if, uh, my bats this year... My bats this year have been heavily one-sided as far as left-handed to right-handed. I've had a lot more left-handed than right. I have right-handed, which is a shock to me is, is how many different than it is because last year I know it wasn't I didn't think it was as much but uh I think I've had my right hand swing honestly feels better than it ever has I uh I've made some some changes this winter from both sides I went down uh in bad sides I went from a 33 and a half 31 to a 33 30 30 and a half ounce and I think that it's really enabled me to have a lot better back control and, and um be very confident to play. And, and as you said, you, you haven't really done a whole lot of right-handed hitting this year. When I did my research, you'd only had 16 at-bats against right-handers. Do you, do you think that – and you're back playing for Delino this year, correct? Yeah. Is this – you think this is by – and I know he rests you quite a bit. He, he makes sure you get enough rest. Do you think he rests you against left-handed hitters by design, or, or do you think that's just the way it's worked out? 
Um, I think that it's a lot, a little bit of both. I think that Delano wants to give me an off day, and he knows that um, I, I'm a lot, I'm a better hitter left-handed. So I mean, I think that he he kind of tries to find that day where there's going to be lefties that are going to start, and if he's going to give me an off day, I think it's going to be when my lefties throw in, just because it just kind of gives me a blow, and we have. Um, our other catcher, Danny Riccioso, is right-handed, so, I mean, right-handed straight left-handers um, normally, historically better, so, I mean, it's, I think it's it's easy, it's an easy out for the line to keep me an off day with the lefty, knowing that we have a right-handed bat off the bench that's going to catch, so, I think it's it's just a little bit of both, I think, that he wants to give you a break, and then he also, there's a lefty coming, so it's just, we're going to give you a break, and we're going to give Danny the best opportunity to succeed. I've been told that when you get to double A, that's when the major league team really starts paying attention to you. And, and I think you could yeah. see that by Donald Lutz getting called up off your squad. And he's he's played pretty darn well for the Reds since he's been up there. How much do you yeah, think of, how much do you think about getting to the big club? Um, I mean it's in everybody's it's in the back of everybody's mind. It's really and it's really like said evident at this level, especially when you see a guy like Singrani who we played, I played with uh, all of last year, and then uh, him getting called up at the end of the year, and then been up and down this year, and having a great year, and then then Lutz, uh, then Lutz getting called up and, and playing and taking the opportunity and running with it. I mean, it, it's it's it makes. I mean, you have no idea how unbelievably happy it makes you feel as a teammate to see a guy get called up and 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 play well and everything and and. I mean, it's everybody's dream. I mean, it's every little kid's dream that's been and has been forever. Anybody that's playing pro baseball to play in the big leagues, and just to see two guys as good as uh, as good as uh, Donald and and Singrani, not only as baseball players but as people to get called up and, and, and take really, like I said, advantage of that opportunity. It really, it really is fun to watch and, and makes you happy to see. But it's in everybody's back of everybody's mind when. And if I didn't make it to the big leagues, and if I put myself in the best situation to succeed in order to get to the big leagues, so it's in everybody's back of their mind. But you, I mean, you just can't—you can't push yourself and, and try and try and um, stress about it, just because it, I mean, it's a lot of—it's a lot of luck. I mean, you got to be at the right place at the right time, and, and, and you have to be playing well. So I mean, if you're not playing well. Then I mean, there's to be honest with you, I don't think you have a chance. But so you have to control what you can control, and that's the way that you play on the field. And and I think, like I said, it's in everybody, it's in the back of everybody's mind. So you just gotta go out and perform. I'm gonna jump off my script here for a second, since you talk, since you talked about Singrani. He, he pitched very well up here. Uh, his ERA was somewhere around three or something like that. But the the knock on him was that he you know that he didn't throw anything, but he was throwing like ninety percent fastballs. When you, when you caught him, was he mixing stuff up more, or was he able to get away in in the in the minor leagues with throwing that many fastballs? Well, I think Tony has really good Tony has really good fastball command, and he was able to control fastballs on both sides of the plate. So there would be a lot of times where we would go uh, quite a while throwing just fastballs, just because he. Uh, he could do it. And he could put it wherever he wanted it, huh? What's that? I said he could put it wherever he wanted it. Exactly, yeah. He could put it wherever he wanted up, down, in, out, and stuff. And it's not like he was just throwing fastballs down the middle and guys weren't hitting it. So I, 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 don't, want, I, I, I don't want there to be a misconception that he was just, I was just throw, 
throwing down at one and he was throwing heaters right down the middle just because he threw harder and, no, and nobody, could, nobody could hit it. That wasn't the case. Tony has really good fastball commander. He has really good, he has really good breaking ball and a really good changeup. I mean, but like I said, there were times where we wouldn't necessarily uh, use it as much as we should have just because we were getting guys out and we wanted Tony to stick in the ball games and not go deep in counts when he didn't have to. Right. And I think that, again, as we talked earlier, that it's where the winning and development, there's a fine line between that because there was there would be times where we would be, again, 3-2, or we were 3-2 count to a left-handed hitter with guys on second and third and two outs. And if we we probably should have threw a breaking ball there just because he, he needs to do that. But um, we knew that if we threw a fastball, he wasn't going to hit it. So we just threw a fastball and struck the guy out, and we went on to the next inning and got out of the jam. So, I mean, there's there's again there's a fine line between winning and development and everything. But Tony Tony's a very polished pitcher. I think Tony's a very good he has a very good arm and very good head on his shoulders. He likes to compete. He was uh, he's a very one of my favorite guys to catch just because he comes right at you and and goes right after you and says here it is. If you're gonna beat me, you're gonna have to hit it because I'm not gonna let myself throw it. Yeah, I, I, I saw an early report on his start last night in Louisville, and they said he probably threw 25 or 35% of, of his stuff was breaking stuff last night. So apparently, you know, they did send him down with a, with a plan. And he showed when he was up here, he's not very far away from being ready. Yeah, no, he uh, his, his breaking ball and his changes and stuff, they're right there. I mean, he just has to get the same amount of confidence with that that he does with his, uh, with his fastball, and it'll be the sky's the limit. Um, get back on my script here. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Hannigan's in the last year of his deal. There's no real catching prospect at AAA. I mean, Corky Miller's not the future. You know, uh, he's never going to spend a whole lot of time up with the big club. Uh, how far away do you think you are? Um, I think, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not real sure. I just... I know that what how I feel as a player right now. I feel I feel better than I think I ever have, to be honest with you. As far as being able to do both of being able to call a game and catch the way I know I can catch, and then being able to swing the bat like I like I always have, and just and and being able to put both of those together and showing how complete of a player that I am. So I feel like I mean it's um, it's coming. I don't know if it's going to be soon. I don't know if it's going to be the latter, but I'm I just. I know what I'm doing as a player. I feel really good, and uh, I feel like I'm being consistent and, and not. I think there's a part of my game that is that is lacking right now. Um, so I think I put myself in a in a good situation as far as, pro, as being able to produce at the level that I'm at right now. And that's the only thing I can ask for is to produce at the produce at the level that I am and, and, and see what happens. And control what you can control, and not worry about the other stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do you give, and I'm, this probably isn't a fair question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you give any thought to the fact that you got a 25-year-old former minor league player of the year in front of you on the Reds roster? To be honest with you, I, I don't. I love I love Mez. I love being around Mez. He's a great guy, and he's a good guy to, to pick his brain and, and to learn about different situations that he's been through again. So, I mean, it's just, it, I've been very fortunate to be around some great players, and it's if I were to tell you that I sat back and watched and see and and worried about what Mez and those guys did, then I would be 
I'd be lying to you just because I know that, and I don't mean that in any any way, shape, or form to be cocky at all. I just because I just I know that if I can play the way I can play and um, and develop like I like I like I'm developing now, that I feel like I'm putting myself in the best in the best situation to have success. And now, whether that be with the Reds or whether that be with anyone else, I mean, hopefully if it's with the Reds. I would love nothing more to to come up with the Reds. Yeah. But I do know also that it is a business and that I am playing every night. I'm playing for 29 other teams. And that if I were to worry about what Mads is doing at the plate or behind the plate or what Hanny's doing or what Corky's doing in AAA or whatever, that I would be hurting myself because I would be putting a lot more pressure on myself than I would need than I need to. And that would in turn hurt me as a player because it would I would be pressing and, and worrying about a lot of things that I – that I have absolutely no control over. And, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, I'm a big believer in you can, like I said earlier, you have to control what you can. And the only thing I can control is the way I play and the way I think and and what I do on a daily basis. So, I mean, like I said, it is a business, and I would love nothing more to come up with the Reds. But uh, with having a 25-year-old player that you catch, like you said, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a... Yeah, there's a good, there's a chance I'm with the Reds, there's a chance I'm not. So, like I said, every night one thing that, that they preach in the minor leagues is that you're not playing for just the Reds when you go out and play every night. So, I feel like I'm putting myself in the in the best situation and the best um, scenario to have success, and, and, and it's working out so far. You talked about watching these other guys, and may, it, it, something else just occurred to me. Another thought: when you're out somewhere, you're sitting in a bar having a beer, and and, and the game's on television. Do you watch the catchers more than anybody else just to see what they're doing, or do you just, or do you, are you at that point, are you just a fan watching a ball game? I, I'm a fan just watching a ball game, honestly, but it does creep into your head like you're watching the catchers. I mean, because if you're if you're in a concert and you're playing and you're a bass player, I mean, you're going to probably pay attention to the bass, even if you're even if you're the biggest fan that's the biggest band in the world, the Rolling Stones or whatever. And you, I mean, you're going to pay attention to the bass player probably just because that's what you do. You play the, you play bass and everything. But I, I find I'm, I'm a huge fan of baseball. I love watching it. But I mean, I find myself sometimes just watching the catchers and just seeing what they're doing. Just not because I'm trying to, but just because I, I mean, just because that, I mean, that's what I do. So I mean, it's just it's I try not to sometimes because you don't want to. I mean, overanalyze things, and you want to get your mind away from it. But but I find myself doing it every once in a while. You talked about goals earlier. What are your goals for this year? What is, what is your goal for for 2013? Well, going into the year, going into the year, I want to I want to get off to a good start. I mean, it's a lot easier, and you, it's a lot easier to breathe and kind of relax and take a step back when you're uh, when you start off well, and you can kind of. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to deal with an over three or an over four when you're when you start off well and you know you got a little room for error. So when you start off slow, I mean an over two or over three or over four, it feels like it's the end of the world. So I wanted to start off well, which I felt like I did. And uh, I, I, one of the not necessarily statistical goals, but it was just to not let an over three or over four get to me as much as I did last year. And I think that. That it's, that it's helped me entirely. I mean, it, not letting, not knowing, not letting myself think that it's the end of the world when I didn't get a hit one night or whatever or struck out a couple times, but just know that 
Another you got a, you know, another game's coming. I mean, you're going to play tomorrow, and you're going to have four or five more backs to to right the ship. So I think I've done that pretty well this year. Um, but as far as as far as real real goals, I mean, I want to get to. I would like to get to Louisville by the end by the end of the year, and I want to say, like I just like I said last year, with getting from Bakersfield to Pensacola, I'd like to like to see if I can get to Louisville by the end of the year, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, going back to what you talked about a minute ago, I assume what you're talking about, like, is if, if you have a bad night and you let it get to you, it can steamroll and, and, and get you rolling in the wrong direction rather than just kind, yeah. of, kind of like having a relief pitcher mentality rather than just pushing it away and go out and going out the next day. Absolutely. I mean, you got to – that 0 for 4 can turn into an 0 for 10 real quickly. And, I mean, and there's – I mean, if you just do the simple math, I mean, one more hit a week or whatever – Will turn you from a 275 hitter to a 310 hitter, and there's a big, there's a big difference as far as, and I know it's a little down the line, but as far as in the big leagues, I mean, there's guys that, I mean, there's a lot more money at 310 than there is at 275. So, I mean, there's, you just, there's a big, there's a, a little but big difference when it comes to, to letting an 0 for 4 get to an 0 for 10 or being able to kind of bang out a hit. During that 0 for 10, instead of 0 for 10, it's 1 for 10. So that's, that's a big, there's a big difference as far as the numbers are uh, when you get to that that scenario. But it's, I mean, it's, they don't mean a lot not letting that stuff get to me. Well, Tucker, that's all we've got for today, and I want to thank you again for getting with us on a, on a, uh, during a, in the morning before you got a game tonight, and you had one last night. And, and I want to tell you, if you get called up to Louisville, you let me know, and we'll be coming down there to see you play down there. No, I appreciate that very much. It's always a pleasure being here with you guys, and let's do it a lot. Let's do it a lot sooner than later this time. Huh? Absolutely, good luck, and hopefully we'll talk to you later on in the season. Appreciate it, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye.